Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Daily Tech News Show is powered by you. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, May 25th, 2018. Tom Merritt is out today from Studio Feline. I'm Sarah Lane. And from Hack 5 Studios here in Oakland, California, I'm Shannon Morse. Hey, Shannon. Good to see Hi. you again. Hi. Good to see you too. <laughs> What's going on at the Hack 5 Studios these days? Oh, we've been busy. Yeah, things are coming together really well here. Um, I'm super excited. We have lots of really good segments lined up. Just went to Maker Fair. I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. Producer Roger Chang is here as well. Happy Friday, Roger. Happy Friday to all. And it's actually sunny here. Like for the past several days, it's been uh, overcast. Oh, the sun is poked through behind the clouds. You're so lucky. Well, yeah, it's not sunny on my side of town. It's very windy. Very allergy inducing, but you know, life is pain. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's start with a few tech things you should know that will not give you pain. Well, I guess it depends on who you are. The General Data Protection Regulation, you might know it better as GDPR, is now law. Several organizations have already made complaints about Google, Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, and others arguing that users are being forced to give consent to the new rules or be locked out, even though the law prohibits forcing consent. A handful of publications, including the LA Times and Chicago Tribune, also became unavailable to many readers in the EU, which has drawn criticism from the European Data and Protection Board. We're going to talk a lot more about this in greater detail a little later in the show. Oh, yes, we are. I'm excited about it, too. A jury in the retrial in the case between Apple and Samsung to determine damages owed to Apple for Samsung infringing on Apple's intellectual properties has a verdict. Samsung must pay $538 million to cover five design and utility patents. Apple was originally awarded $1 billion, but the case has been tied up in various courts, including the Supreme Court, for six years. That's a long oh, time. Oh, it was the trial that would not end. I think Samsung wanted the uh, $1 billion uh, reduced to something like $28 million, so... Wow. Probably a win for Apple in this case. Yeah. It's less than <laughs> half of what they wanted. The New York Times and Reuters both report the Trump administration 
told Congress it had reached an agreement with ZTE, which, as you probably know, currently has a seven-year ban against U.S. companies supplying parts to the company. ZTE reportedly will pay a penalty, shuffle up its management, and hire American compliance officers. In return, the U.S. would drop this current ban. Trump has called the ZTE negotiations part of a broader talk to address alleged Chinese trade abuses. Mm. I'm glad they actually came to an agreement because ZTE has made some really, really nice products in the past. So I would like to see them continue that and have the more competitive market that we've seen. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, anyway, good old ZTE. <laughs> yeah, good old ZTE. All right, let's talk more about Tesla. Let's so Tesla settled a class action lawsuit Thursday with buyers of its Model S and Model X cars who alleged Tesla's assistant driving autopilot system was essentially unusable and demonstrably dangerous. Tesla agreed to compensate car owners who purchased the 2.0 version of autopilot and had to wait longer than expected for the driving features to become active. Class members who paid an extra $5,000 to get the autopilot upgrade between 2016 and 2017 will receive between $20 and $280 in compensation. Tesla has agreed to place more than $5 million into a settlement fund, which will also cover attorney costs and other fees. Wow, yeah, don't spend it all in one place. People who paid <laughs> yeah. $5,000 to get autopilot early. Aww. Yeah, well, for class action, I get these in the mail all the time, right? You might Same. be part of a class action suit, and sometimes I investigate, oftentimes I don't, because in many cases, it all kind of goes to lawyer fees. Yep. But the idea of paying extra to get a feature that was you know, late, okay, that's fine. But if it also doesn't work properly, that's a problem. Yes, absolutely. I would want a refund if I were them. Yeah. Tesla had an interesting week, to say the least. Sources tell Bloomberg that Essential Products, Inc., that makes the Essential Phone, co-founded by Android creator Andy Rubin, wants to sell itself and has stopped development on Essential smartphones. The sale could include Essential's patent portfolio, hardware products beyond the phone, like a smart home device that it was apparently in the works, and a camera attachment for the phone. Essential's engineering talent may be part of a deal as well. Last November, Rubin took a short leave of absence from the company uh, amid reports about workplace misconduct during his time at Google. I'm not super surprised about this information coming out of Essential because it seemed like they were on kind of shaky grounds for a while now. So to hear that they've finally just decided to sell itself, not necessarily something that I I'm surprised about at all. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with Andy Rubin's personal stuff. It no, might, absolutely not. You know, it might, it might, it might not. I know that the essential phone, uh, the original phone. Remember when Tom got his? He's very excited about it. Mm -hmm. Nice phone, but didn't sell very well. Right. So, exactly. And there've been updates since then, and yeah, you know, a lot of people say there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a really competitive market and it's also not the cheapest phone. So right. when you look at it in that sense, it's, you know, it's almost like a Tesla of smartphones. It's, you know, if you, if you capture the attention and, you know, the, the delight of users, great. But if you can't, you're not going to be around very long. Yeah, it's, it's sad. It's a little disappointing because I like seeing more competition in the cell phone market, like I mentioned with ZTE. But to make a phone that's so expensive, I, I think they were expecting to sell a lot more than they actually did. Yeah. 
According to new sales data by Canalis, Google took the first spot in smart speaker sales in Q1 2018, beating Amazon for the first time. Google shipped 3.2 million Google Home and Home Mini devices in the quarter, compared to 2.5 million Echo devices. Chinese manufacturers Alibaba and Xiaomi took third and fourth place, both beating Apple's HomePod sales. Well, we knew the HomePod was not going to be number one. Uh, right. HomePod sales have, have lagged in part because they were late to market and also expensive. But the Echo has been in the top spot for some time. So this is very interesting. Shannon, do you ha do you have a Google Home or an Echo or, or, or <laughs> weirdly, I have, weirdly, I have both, which I almost don't want to say because of all the craziness with Apple or, or with the Echo this week and how it was secretly <laughs> spying on people yeah. and everything. But yeah, I own both of them. And again, not surprised with this news because when we went to CES this year, um, DTNS and tech thing as well, we noticed a lot of Google Home or Google Assistant integrated in all sorts of different kinds of products. So I think it's becoming a really household well-known brand and well-known name as far as using Assistant goes. Also, a lot of times I find that it's easier to use because it's integrated straight with your Google account, as opposed to the Echo, which requires, you know, third party APIs or services to be connected to it. Yeah, you hear a lot of uh, reports lately of, of PCs now shipping with Amazon's assistant, you know who she is, and that's all fine and good. But yeah, Shannon, I think you make a good point that if you are in the Android slash Google ecosystem on any, uh, you know, reasonable level, then if you are at least starting out with a home device, mm -hmm. it's just more integrated. And yes, it, you know, you can, you can, you can use uh, Amazon's uh, AI as well, but for anybody who's like, eh, well, what's already, you know, built in. Right. Eh, you know, Amazon was really enjoying a, uh, a runaway hit there. It's also less expensive than the Google. That's true. Home. Not the mini, but it, you know, so it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's a race. It looks like Google's taking the lead. <laughs> At the Viva Technology Industry Conference in Paris, Yann LeCun, chief AI scientist for Facebook, said the company is designing energy-efficient computer chips to analyze and filter live video content, saying that current systems take too much energy, need to be redesigned. He added, quote, Facebook has worked on hardware before. It makes its own server design, motherboards, its own communications chips for data centers. So this is not completely new for Facebook. Hmm. Interesting. It was also making a smart speaker, as I recall, which was supposed to be introduced at F8, but that didn't happen. True, true. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, Facebook. <laughs> Valve says Apple denied approval of its Steam Link app for iOS, which lets users stream PC games from a computer on the same home network. Apple initially approved the app on May 7th, but revoked it two days later, citing business conflicts with the app guidelines. Bell says it appealed that decision because the Steam Link app simply functions as a land-based remote desktop, similar to numerous remote desktop applications already available on the App Store. The app has been available on Android since May 17th. Now, as far as I know, the Valve uh, uh, application that allows you to stream video games is quite secure and it doesn't have any issues as far as that goes. So I don't know what app Apple's deal is as far as approving it at first and then denying it two days later. That seems odd. Well, and Valve is correct in the sense that there are other remote desktop apps on iOS. I've used exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. You know, go to my PC comes to mind, but there are quite a few. And last I checked, they were not being revoked. 
or there's been some speculation and Shannon, I want to get your thoughts on this. You too, Raj. Um, if this is about games, which of course iOS makes a percentage of from purchases, right? It's an iOS game rather than remote desktoping into a PC and iOS and Apple rather doesn't like the idea of losing out on that revenue. Could that be part of this? Hmm. You, that's actually a really good point. And one that I didn't necessarily think of probably because I don't use Apple very often for any of my devices. Um, you, but go I'm ahead, sorry. Roger. I would say the only issue with that is this tool only allows you to do it over a local, a local area network. So if you're right. at home and you have a gaming PC, but you're sitting up in the front with your couch and you're watching like say the game and in, you know, during the commercials, you want to get, some game time in, you don't have to charge all the way back to your the, to the bedroom or wherever you have your PC set up, um, you know. And and it could very well be like Apple might have something similar as an idea that partnership that they want to explore down uh, in the near future. Um, I mean, Steam Steam is one of those things that you know for a lot of a lot of gamers is kind of the de facto platform on, mm -hmm. on PC if you want to if you want to game on it. It's convenient. Uh, it's relatively inexpensive. I mean the, the app is free and they constantly do weekend sales for, for a number of games. So it's not uh, unreasonable to expect a game that lists for 60 maybe be you know 20, 10%, 10 to 20% off uh, on special deals, especially AAA games. Um, and you know, it's, it, it could very well be, they, they just want to like set up the, the field for something they have, uh, in the works. Yeah. I mean, if the app was approved on the seventh of this month, which is, you know, a, a few weeks ago and then revoked a couple days later, that's a, that's another sort of weird twist in this, right? If it was just denied right. outright, then you say, okay, well, they'll figure it out. Right. Uh, and steam will understand what happened. But the fact that it is now May 25th and steam saying business conflicts were appealing is, uh, is, uh, I don't know. Yeah. The app store is convoluted in lots of ways. It's very odd, especially since it's currently working on Android since May 17th, they've had no issues there. You can stream video games with Android products with no problems whatsoever. So obviously there's no business conflict between Android or Google devices and, and Steam or Valve. So what's, what's the problem, Apple? I want to know more. <laughs> and there might be more to the story, obviously. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, it might be something different than what Valve is saying. Hey, hold on a second, remote desktop. Other people do that. Other companies do that. Yeah, there might be something in the code that uh, that isn't right uh, with Apple's businesses. And I'm sure we will hear more about it very soon. Uh, to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes or less, subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. Reminder, DTNS will be taking Monday off for uh, Memorial Day in the U.S., but we will have daily tech headlines because we don't want you to go missing on the news. Speaking of news, all right, here's the moment we've all been waiting for. Seems like months now. GDPR, it's live. <laughs> it has been, been months, Sarah. <laughs> it, I mean, at least on DTNS, it's like, oh man, GDPR, when's May 25th? Now it's here. Now we can all, you know, stop getting these emails about privacy updates from weird companies that we forgot <laughs> we ever did business with. Not exactly the case because it's big, it's a new regulation, and there's going to be some snags. 
So as we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, there are companies that uh, some other organizations are going after for complying in a way that is deemed incorrect by some. One uh, nonprofit org called None of Your Business, which is a great name, made complaints about Google, Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram, the latter uh, are, are uh, owned by Facebook, arguing that users are now being forced to give consent or they get locked out of the service altogether, even though the law says you can't force users to give consent. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. So this is a tricky one, Shannon. I have yeah. seen some of these pop up, and again, we're in the U.S., so the... These laws aren't are, aren't directly applying to us, at least not right now while we're here. But if Facebook says, hey, we've updated our privacy policies, you've got to agree to them. And I say, nah, I don't want to. And Facebook's like, OK, well, you don't have a Facebook account until you do this. And GDPR says, Facebook, you can't do that. What do we do? Yeah, I, it's impossible to say, really. I mean, gosh, that's a hard, hard thing to answer, to be honest, Sarah. But um, the, the problem that I find with this, with Facebook's issues or Facebook's dealings here is that they're not giving users an actual choice. They're strictly saying either you, you uh, agree with our advertising uh, dealings or you just delete your account. You don't have an account anymore. And given that Facebook is so like I want to say invasive and intrusive in our daily lives, just no, really no matter who you are, it's almost impossible to tell somebody like, oh, well, you just can't have an, an account anymore unless you've taken a lot of steps to, you know, get people to contact you off of Facebook and things of that nature. So I can completely understand why uh, this company in the U EU has decided to go after Facebook and Instagram and uh, WhatsApp and I've forget what the other one was right off the top of my head, but it completely makes sense that they've 
decided to do this because they they are not actually giving users a choice at all. And Facebook, it seems like this is their way around GDPR so that they don't necessarily have to, you know, abide by the standards of this new regulation in the EU. So I'm just I'm I'm disappointed in the fact that Facebook is taking this route and I'm glad that they are being sued and they are being looked at by the regulatory powers in the EU because I I don't think what they're doing is right from a privacy protection standpoint and I would like to see them be regulated more because we've seen what's been happening with Facebook for the past year. And another problem that I have with this is that they've had a 2-year grace period and I just kind of wanted to throw that out there like Things didn't go into effect until today, but there was a two-year grace period for these companies to start getting under this GDPR regulation. So why are they all of a sudden being like, well, sorry, either you delete your account or you got you to gotta share your information with us. It's just unfair. Yeah. Just to clarify, uh, the nonprofit, none of your business is complaining, not suing. Could happen. Could happen. (laughs) But these are, you know, these are initial steps. But, uh, you know, it could it could become more of a thing. Another group uh, based in the UK called Privacy International launched an investigation into companies that do those behind the scenes trading of personal data that they get from companies like Google or Facebook. Axicom, uh, Criteo, never heard of it. Mm -hmm. Quantcast, I have. Now, the GDPR poses fines of up to 20 million euros or 4% of global revenues to a company for breaking these rules, not insignificant, whichever no. is higher. So again, it's, yeah, I think it's we're, we're going to see some messiness here. It, I mean, it's definitely some messiness because, you know, as, as much as we like to rail against the large evil tech companies for being, you know, incredibly capricious with our information and, you know, almost willingly uh, willing to throw people under the bus to, to get ahead, so to speak. Um, the thing is these suits, these fines really affect the smaller fish. If you're a Google, if you're a Facebook, 20 million euros, I hate to say it, isn't that much of a disincentive or for but, 4% of global revenues. But and, it's 4%. Uh, or 20 million, whichever is greater. greater. But, yeah. you know, when yeah, there are just... companies that can settle these things. Yeah. Your point. Well, and the, the, the perverse, the perverse outcome of this, and you already see it with Google ad, uh, uh, AdSense, um, is that a lot of the smaller, smaller players that used to do the aggregate, uh, um, uh, ad, ad, you know, ad, ad selling doing what Google did was probably, will probably be just basically, push out of the market because it'll take a larger fish that can not only comply with the rules, but can also deal with any fines or something hiccups along the way. And so what you will have in some cases, and this is my opinion, this isn't, this isn't any kind of uh, thing that's written in stone. You might have a situation where you basically reinforce the, the monopoly that a lot of these companies already have in the respective fields in that part of the world. Some news sites, uh, speaking of the U.S., uh, that are based in the U.S., temporarily unavailable in the U. following following GDPR. So I actually saw some stuff about this last night because I follow a few reporters who work for the L.A. Times. The L.A. Times, which uh, the parent publisher is Tronk, publishes the Chicago Tribune, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the Orlando Sentinel, Baltimore Sun, New York Daily News, posted a message telling users 
it was sorry without really saying why access was revoked for a lot of people in the European Union. Another company, Lee Enterprises, which publishes 46 daily newspapers, more regional and in the U.S. across 21 states, gave a similar statement, said, we're sorry, the site is temporarily unavailable. We recognize you're attempting to access this website from a country belonging to the European economic area, including the EU, which enforces GDPR and therefore cannot grant you access at this time. Shannon, as you mentioned, in 2016 was when the EU adopted GDPR and said, right. everybody's got a couple of years to make the necessary changes. This was replacing a very old data protection directive from 1995. Right. So the whole idea was, hey, privacy is a whole different ballgame now. We've got we've to update this stuff. So a lot of these companies uh, and these publications in particular, people are saying, well, what's the problem? You know, do, do you not have enough readership uh, you know, or, or audience uh, abroad to, to make changes? Do, exactly. You know, yeah. yeah. Or did you kind of think that it wasn't going to work or? I mean, it's, it? it's all just skepticism on my part, but I, I truly believe that a lot of these companies just didn't put any time into developing um, new privacy policies for their companies, or they just didn't want to to put money towards it, because obviously you're going to have to either hire a lawyer to figure out the privacy policies for you, or you'll have to put on a lot of time yourself to do it. I mean, from a consumer standpoint, we only started really learning about GDPR a few months ago, but from a, I sell merchandise online with Hack5 standpoint, we've heard about GDPR for years, and it's not the first time that this has been developing at all. At all. So it's almost a red flag in one way for these news sources to just be like, we're going to just block access. You can't access this anymore because they, I feel like they've lazily just chosen not well, to you know, do the GDPR I, stuff. I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. And, you know, you see this with a lot of business, businesses on a lot of regulation because they have a particular business model that they generate revenue from. And so they will always look at everything through a very financial lens, right? If I, if I cut off this potential readership, how does that affect the bottom line? If I overhaul not just the way I do infor, uh, uh, collect readership information, but the way I can leverage it to sell ads in order to generate revenue to keep this operation going, and I lose business that way, you know, you, you literally put them on a scale and you see what makes more financial sense. I mean, that's what insurance underwriters do, right? They go through and they say, well, they, they, they assess your risk uh, for certain things. And they, you know, I mean, perversely, like for car companies, like, well, you know, we can either take the hit on the Pinto and pay everyone out that, that sues us, or we could re overhaul, like redesign and overhaul the car that's going to be phased out in a couple of years anyway. And so you take the path of least resistance uh, when it comes to the bottom line. Because, you know, as crass as it is, I mean, all, most of these, you know, newspapers, most of these news uh, outlets are businesses, and that's what mm -hmm. they look at. You know, yeah, I have, I have heard. I've heard that argument uh, a little bit on the Twitterverse, and I was going to come back at you and be like, I will debate this with you. I think they should offer a paid service, but then if they don't offer the, or if they did offer a paid service and somebody didn't want to pay, then they would just not have access whatsoever. But then wouldn't they run under the same problems that Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp are facing currently, where either you offer it 
or well, you don't. That's, that's the that's the argument. Like, will Facebook roll out a paid version mm-hmm. in in the areas that are under GDPR uh, regulation? And they would just say, you know what, you pay your ten euros a month to access Facebook, and you won't be tracked. We won't use data, but this is the amount of money we need per person to keep Facebook running. Yeah. So I can I can absolutely understand that sentiment for news sources. I mean, myself included, you know, we we strive to make what we can off of YouTube or off of advertising revenue or whatever it might be for whatever news source that you work at. So it it makes sense that they need some way to make money and if they can't do it through the EU, what choice do they have, really? Well, I'm sure there's people who are, are opposing GDPR, and you could write us write into us and tell us all about it. But for the most part, everyone I know who is based there is like, "This is great. These laws are good. These are, you know, improved privacy laws." So, kind of ironic that maybe your favorite publication, maybe it's the Tribune. <laughs> all of a sudden, you're like, "Huh, more privacy," hmm. and now I'm cut off from something. So, you know, oh. that's a bit counterproductive. A bit counterproductive. But again, this is. Day one, GDPR, May 25th, just happened today. So there will be more to the story for sure. And don't forget, everybody, just in case you can't survive without those news sources, there's always a VPN. Indeed, there is. (laughs) Thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. We love you guys. You have good ideas. You find stories regularly that I have not seen otherwise. So I need you. Keep it up. Submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. If you prefer Facebook, we are there as well. Facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Tech News Show. Got an email from Darren from Kamloops, British Columbia. I hope I said that right. And he says, hi, guys. Please settle an argument I'm having with my wife. What the heck is that statue action figure in the background of Sarah's studio? I think you're talking about Enid from Ghost World, unless you're talking about Domokan. It's probably Enid. That's who it is, Enid from Ghost World. I don't know what your argument was, but I'd love to know more about it. So <laughs> hopefully that answered the question, Darren. Have a nice weekend. Now I am kind of curious about which what the character was that he thought it was, or that his wife thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's, she's great, though. You can take her little hat off. She's got a little, she has a, um, a club. I don't know where it is, but you can put it in her hand. <laughs> I don't know. She's she's my little friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, moving on to a tech-related email. (laughs) Mike wanted to add to our discussion earlier this week about police using Amazon facial recognition software for their body cameras. He writes, regarding Amazon's partnerships with police departments, Sarah made an offhand comment that Amazon probably wasn't going to meld together its recently acquired network of ring cameras with whatever recognition with whatever recognition turns into. It yeah, made that's me the remember, name of the, the, yeah. the AI that they're using uh, yeah. with uh, law enforcement. It made me remember another story that popped up about a month ago, and now in conjunction with the news about facial recognition, leads to some interesting hypothesizing about the possibilities for identifying criminal suspects. Uh, and he also linked to an article from May 1st about Orlando City Commissioners approving a partnership between the Orlando Police Department and the Ring Video Doorbell Security Systems fighting crime. All right. Well, Mike kind of disproved my theory that I was like, Amazon doesn't want to get involved in criminal investigations. If you've got a yeah, facial recognition camera at your front door and there's a suspect who might be in some police database somewhere. Well, it sounds like at least in certain cases it is being tried. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm uh, I'm going to follow that a lot more because that sounds really fascinating. 
Uh, well, Shannon, that is precisely the reason, among many, why we love having you on the show, because you're so good at this stuff, and you always have all the uh, the the... The information that uh, goes a little bit beyond what a lot of people, I think, probably put into privacy, but that's what you do. In fact, tell folks where they can learn more about your security know-how. Well, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, I always try to think about those security and privacy loopholes so that y'all don't have to think about them because it. <laughs> well, we think it about them sometimes. Like your expertise, <laughs> it gives me headaches sometimes just thinking about all that crazy stuff, but. Hack5.org, H-A-K-5.org. That's the place where you can check out all the different shows that I do. And um, currently I am on the verge of posting my episode about Maker Fair, a little teaser trailer there, uh, which was super fun. So we also got to do a little bit of B-roll for tech thing, T-E-K thing uh, at Maker Fair. And I interviewed a girl who built her own BB-8 and she's currently in the midst of getting it up and running, which was so exciting. And if you're watching the video feed right now, that giant mech behind me, I also interviewed the driver of that thing, the pilot. And uh, that thing is like 8,000 pounds. So I'm really glad that it didn't fall on me while we were recording our segment, but it was crazy watching that thing walk across Maker Fair. It was a little bit scary and uh, I kind of want one. <laughs> Maker Fair, it's, is it getting bigger over the years, do you find? Cause I know you've been to many of them. You know, I felt like uh, I went three years ago. I missed the last couple of years because of conventions and vacations and stuff. But uh, the year that I did go, it felt a lot more crowded. This year did not feel as much crowded, hmm. not because there were less people, but I think that it, they've they've grown as far as location size goes. So they've given people a lot more room to actually walk around. And uh, it was a lot easier to walk around, not as many strollers this year, which I really appreciated. And it was great. Yeah, good times. Good times at Maker Fair and good times with Shannon Morse. Also good times with everybody who supports the show. Special thanks to our patrons. Without you, we would not exist. We love existing. Thank you. Patreon.com slash DTNS is where you can learn more about the patron levels and how you can support us. And please check out dailytechnewsshow.com slash store. You want to buy a little something? Maybe you need a new t-shirt. They're nice and soft, available in your size. Check it out. Thank you in advance. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. That's 2030 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Reminder, we are off on Monday. It is Memorial Day in the U.S. You will still get Daily Tech headlines, and we'll be back on Tuesday with the great return of Tom Merritt and guest Ayaz Akhtar. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. 
Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.